A toast to Nelson Ringwald. Is it M- Molly's dad? Yeah, you're you're thinking of Nelson Mandela. No, yeah, this is Molly's dad. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he's great. To Nelson Ringwald. To Nelson Ringwald. Cheers to that is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Staff and J-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! <laughs> Alright gang, welcome to yet another riveting episode of Cheers to That, the podcast where we dive into all the deep and interesting questions that this franchise brings up. I am Jay Jack. I'm Stephanie. All right. So uh, before we get into the recap, the discussions, and all the controversy, uh, what are we drinking today? So there wasn't any particular drink that really caught my eye on the on the beach in episode five and six, but I thought a drink they should try, since by now they've convinced us or try to convince us that they've been on the on the beach for three weeks now, four weeks now. We all know they've only been on the beach for about five or six days. Yeah, they keep saying like, oh, the last few weeks have just been been terrible. It's like dog years on the beach. I don't know what it is. It's like, I, I guess that's the, the deal they made with production. Yeah, man, the last, the last three weeks, dude, you've been there for like two days. Well, whether it's been three weeks or four days, you're in the sun, you're in the salt water, you're drinking a ton. Here is a cocktail that might be a little more refreshing and even, dare I say, even a little healthy uh, and hydrating after days and days of bonfires and makeouts and and salt. It's called Gatorade. Uh, ac- that's that's next week's actually. So, oh, okay. so, so this uh, this one is called, uh, believe it or not, it's called Ranch Water. Ran- oh, dude, I love Ranch Water. <laughs> not that's not even. I'm not even being ironic. It's so good. So the ranch water is a colloquial West Texas, I can't say it, colloquial, colloquial. It's a colloquial cocktail from West Texas, literally something you drink on the ranch. Very simple drink, ounce and a half of tequila, do a half ounce to three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and then just a splash of simple syrup or a lime cordial. And then here's the really important part. Fill up your glass with a very strong, happy, healthy of Topo Chico sparkling mineral water. That is where you get the effervescence, the texture that this cocktail needs. Fun fact, I was researching Topo Chico. The mineral water that it's sourced from was allegedly allegedly healed a dying Mexican Aztec queen of something really yeah so it's magical water i mean i kind of believe it it's so delicious it's way more effervescent than anything else than san pellegrino it's just that super 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 carbonated and if you've been on the beach for weeks like they say they have then something like this is going to quench your thirst and keep you partying all week long yeah enough partying even for canadian caitlin even her. So, ranch water, you can check out the full recipe, and even I'm, I'm going to even add some extra notes for you to check out at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. So, back to the show. So, let's dive right in. It's time for a rapid recap. Rapid recap? Rapid recap. 
basically means if you had to narrow it down to just these core things you need to know about the last two episodes, they'd be this. So, number one, Derek is attracted to really complicated women. <laughs> uh, you may recall he was engaged to another really complicated girl uh, two seasons ago. Taylor, who was all about that emotional intelligence. <clears throat> number two, literally everyone went to Stagecoach this year, and Blake probably slept with all of them. I Was I at Stagecoach? Did uh, he did he sleep with me? I, I mean, by now. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I really appreciated the shade that Demi threw, saying like, "Is he banging Chris Harrison?" You know, it was uh, it's actually that worked for me. It was funny. If Chris Harrison was at Stagecoach, that may have happened. So, uh, number three, Nicole. Number three, Nicole is a sparkling lyricist. <laughs> yeah, her um, her little song and dance she made up reminded me of when I was about six, and I would do the same thing. It was very cute. Number four, the show wants us to believe that. If- if Chris Harrison wants it, he can make someone appear on the beach like that within 24 hours. What are you I'm, referring to? I'm referring to one day Demi's saying she misses Christian, and she, she just shows up magically the very next oh, day. Oh, yeah, that wasn't planned at all, obviously. Spontaneous. He's a genie. He's a magical Chris. Uh, and speaking of Demi, the last thing you need to know about this episode and this week is that Demi needs to read a history book. Who's Nelson... Men- Men- Mandela? Men- a- apartheid? What? Well, I think he was a jazz singer in the 60s. That's it. Anyway. All right. So, y'all, a lot, a lot to talk about. We had two episodes, week three, episode five and six. A, a lot happened. And I just got a couple thoughts, a couple things I wanted to dive into. So, here we go. So, so the first thing that came to mind, you know, at the very beginning of episode five is you know, returning to the in mid-fight, the Christian and, not that Christian, Christian and Jordan fight. A couple of things that kind of stood out to me, I want, I want your opinion on. So the first thing that really stood out to me was right after the fight, seeing Nicole's behavior when she was, you know, reliving her experience with the other girls. And what I found really interesting was, was this kind of... The pinata assault, meaning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, like, it was the ag- aggression. It was like, this desire for her to have a man in her life who was aggressive up until the point where one Until he was actually aggressive. He actually becomes aggressive. And it's like, it just kind of makes me wonder, is that what women say when they want aggressive? Or is it actually more like assertive that they want? Yeah, she may have um, just had the wrong words in her mental mad lib. She might have been assertive instead of aggressive. But- yeah, I mean, she, but it, that is interesting. They do bandy about all this language about like, I want a, a man who will fight for me, who will stand up for me, who right, will, right. you know, this and that. And then when one is actually acts in a threatening way in her uh, general vicinity, and then somebody is <laughs> very forthright with, um, you know, I, I don't know if it was exactly defending her honor, but it was certainly responding in a, uh, in a clear and forthright manner, um, it's not. It's you're not gonna you're not gonna make a mistake about how how he feels about it. Um, he, she she all of a sudden I, maybe it's just that it got too real. It it freaked her out. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's not um, it's not romantic when somebody actually gets into a fist fight over a pinata on a beach in a cabana. It's it just is it's it's upsetting and it's kind of stupid, really. 
It reminds me of the movie Arrival. Okay. Okay. Okay, hear, hear me out on this. So she's a linguist and she's simultaneously having to make contact and create a language with the aliens, but they but she also knows that another spacecraft is communicating with the Chinese and the Chinese are learning how to speak the language by using a a I think it was mahjong or or some kind of some sort some sort of one versus one combat game and so all their language was being built around military words and fighting words and so she was concerned that the chinese and the aliens were going to eventually fight because all their language was built around fighting all, all their metaphors you know, we're both around fighting. Yeah, I you must have been paying more attention in that movie because I don't remember any of that. But yeah, I'm very impressed. Okay, well, s- some geek out there is going to appreciate this. So our metaphors that we choose define how we perceive what's happening. Yeah, I, I actually teach, um, I do some writing instruction, some tutoring in writing. And I often talk to students about tone and it has a whole lot to do with word choice. You're right. Like using words that are, are loaded in a certain way or, or convey a certain meaning really change the way that you think and the way that you feel and, and even can change what you want and how you're perceived. Like um, I remember there was an experiment that showed people were given lists of words and it was like oranges, Florida, bingo, golf cart, like all these words that were basically like words that are associated with old people and retirement. We like bingo. And yeah, we do like we do like bingo around here. So, you know, don't associate that with old people. Um, we're very young and spry. But um, but when people read this list of words um, that was associated with retirement and, and the elderly, they actually walked more slowly down the hall when they left the room. So it actually impacted the way that they moved through time, which just kind of blew my mind when I heard that. Right. So you see, you see this with with Nicole and Christian. You saw this, unfortunately, with Hannah and Luke P. A lot. Just this idea of like, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. I want a man who fights for me. Fights for me. But where's the threat? You know, that's that's what I want to know. It's like most people just seem to be kind of like in their own business. They don't really seem to. I mean, unless you're Hannah G. Like, <laughs> there's nobody coming to blows over um wanting to date you like it doesn't have to escalate to that so i think you know when when they say i want a man who will fight for me or i will fight for you i think what they mean is i'm not going to be a passive partner i'm going to continually be engaged and when things come up i won't run away i will i will choose it as an opportunity to improve etc etc but when you constantly are saying I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight. It creates almost like, this is my theory, just my bias, is that it creates this kind of inward list of traits that you must look for that are that equate aggression and being very, you know, macho and that kind of thing. And it's pretty obvious Nicole didn't actually want that. So why, what keeps making us want to use those metaphors of fighting and military? Couldn't we just say, I will be... I don't know what's a good, what's a good what's a better analogy like I for being like an engaged thoughtful partner. Well, I think when Nicole or any of the other women are are saying that or expressing this like I just want somebody who will fight for me. Really what they're saying is I want someone who desires me. I want to feel desired and wanted and you know and uh, appealing in some way and mm, I mean I think I think that you 
you see that. I mean, like, Nicole really brightened up when, you know, there's, like, multiple guys interested in her. She she kind of, like, got this look about her that was, like, she was just really excited by that. And understandably, I mean, it feels good to know that you're wanted. And we saw the the inverse of that with poor Onyeka when she was just like, wow, there's really nobody here who's who's uh, interested in getting to know me. And so, and that's, right. a, that's a real bummer. And that's the that's where you see the opposite there was nobody but it wasn't because they weren't fighting for her it's because they there wasn't any kind of uh any kind of connection made and so i i guess the the way i would want people to frame it is i want i want somebody who will invest in me i will i want somebody who will ask me questions when we're having a conversation instead of just like saying oh my gosh you're so beautiful this is so amazing um yeah that's that's super interesting yeah i think i think you can just frame it up in a way that that makes it about like i really don't mind it when they're like i'm here for you i'm here to get to know you i want to know like john paul jones even says like what do you, I mean, he, he was really sloppy in the way that he did it, bless him, but he, he did, when he was talking to Tasha, say, what do you do? What are you, what are you passionate about? Like, he actually was wanting to get to know her, not just wanting to kind of talk at her or, or, you know, romantic seeming platitudes about their relationship, such as it is after a few days. Yeah, but I actually, actually did comment on that in my notes. I know there's editing involved and you have to take everything with a grain of salt, but even with JPJ and Tasha, it was questions like, what is your family like? And she would say, da-da-da, and he would go, yeah, my family too. And it was just, he, it was all him talking after that. He didn't even, he didn't have follow-up questions. He just goes, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think he was nervous, <laughs> but yeah, he, he definitely was not um, as smooth as I think he would have liked to be. I, I mean, I, you know. You have to be careful. I know there's editing involved. That whole conversation could have been twice as long as it actually was, and we wouldn't know. But I do see that behavior a lot, where a question creates a response, and that response is just another excuse to take over the conversation and, mm. and talk some more. Yeah. For all the talk about how, you know, how much they're they're here to, to meet someone and to, to find love, they really don't, like do the basic steps of conversation, which is that it's a give and take and you actually need to say something beyond, you know, wow, you're so pretty or like, wow, this is so, this is so amazing. This is so fun. Like, okay, like what else? Well, what frustrates me is that maybe that is happening because they're, they're on this beach forever or they go on dates that, that last hours, but we never get to see that kind of stuff. And it's really frustrating because for me, what makes the show really fun for me is it's kind of like a comic book crossover where it's like, ooh, the Joker fights Thanos, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh man, JPJ and Tasha are hitting it off. It's, it's like a crossover from other seasons. Yeah. And so seeing the interaction. Sort of like Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock getting together. Mm. Muppets from every, every corner of the globe. Exactly. So it's seeing that the tension or seeing the conflicts or seeing the conversations, that's what makes BIP way more fun to me than the conventional bachelor or bachelorette. I, I just wish they'd spend more time on the on the discourse and less on less on the Blake Hannah drama. I mean, that's for sure. Bl- yeah, when Blake goes out with Caitlin and runs through his entire roster of women who are there who with whom he's had some sort of romantic entanglement and just I feel like Caitlin was making a face for all of us. It was pretty priceless. But yes, it was it was funny. But going back to this aggression thing, I mean, I've said it on this show at least twice now. People don't know how to do 
confrontation very well. So these metaphors of fighting in the context of relationships, fighting for someone, I just think is just really unhealthy. And it creates the situations like Nicole egging on and applauding the behaviors of Christian. And it just makes it all seem really high stakes, too. Like, they're kind of whipping themselves up into a frenzy, like, you know, so many egg whites. Um, So... A frothy meringue of hate. A frothy meringue of hostility. And they just, you know, just need to take a breath, talk to Dean. He's very calm. He's he's really laid back this season. Uh, Maybe go have a conversation with Wells. He'll make fun of them, remind them that, like, the stakes are really not that high. It's okay. We're just here to have fun. And drink some ranch water. That's right. Get hydrated. Cool off a little bit. So the, the other thing that caught my mind in regards to the fight, was the raw, unedited footage behind the scenes of the production team talking to Jordan, then talking to Christian. And it's becoming a theme on this show, starting with, to my knowledge, starting with Becca season, where you have some aspect of the show that is very raw, that is either like a... Raw and real. Raw and real, that is like, we're not going to try to pretend there isn't that the cam- the cameraman in the in the mirror during the scene, or we're not going to try to make this look polished. We're going to have like the cell phone in the face situation, or we're going to have you know like with yeah, with yeah. Colton, or or like when Hannah B fell over, yeah, you know, and the and the and the producer ran over and talked to her, like my- yeah, they're using sort of like a B roll as for dramatic effect, and it's like. I don't, I don't, it's just funny to me because Chris Harrison's always like, we've got bloopers, but like now we're using them as major dramatic plot points. Yeah, and in the case of the canopy falling, we're going to replay it over and over again before it even shows up. Yeah, and that was absolutely nothing but a blooper. So my theory on that is this. My theory on that is I'm a huge fan of a media company on YouTube and uh, their podcasters as well, Wisecrack, and they talk about the idea of the prosumer, the producer-consumer. The person who watches a show or reads a book and then produces a YouTube video or a podcast, hello, about it in order to have a discussion. Hello. Which is basically what we are. Hey, we're presuming. My my thinking is this whole part of being in the media now where you can't just have a show. You have to respond not just to fans but also fans who are creating content around your content. Yeah, people were talking about Colton doing those little videos almost like they were Snapchats or like they were Insta stories. And it was just, it felt like a a whole new kind of like micro generation of the of the show and the way that is expected for the lead to behave. It's very different than them being on a pedestal like they kind of were before where it's like, this is the the person of your dreams. And there's, there's a little bit of a distance there. It was much more kind of intimate and much more um, accessible in terms of like the behavior of the the viewers rather than it seemed a lot more like the lead was similar to the viewer rather than an object that's like up on this pedestal and like right. aspirational i guess right so it's becoming very fourth wall e which is weird wally wally <laughs> which is which is weird when it's already a reality show is this weird back and forth of the content and then the content being influenced by the prosumer content that is responding to it. Yeah, there's all like 
I don't remember when this started. I think it maybe was Nick Vial's season, but like at some point they started referencing Twitter in like the after the final rose or in so at some points in the show, at least in like the interview portions of the show. And it was like that that's a totally new thing. That's not a that's not a carefully crafted TV show anymore. That's like something that the public is responsible for creating as well, which is, I think, what you're talking about with prosumers. Right, right, right. So what makes it weird is that it makes the show more raw. It makes the show more intimate. It makes us, makes it feel like the public has a say in the show. Yeah, we're a part of this somehow. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm definitely a part of it. No, um, <laughs> they're definitely listening to this podcast. No. Um, what I say matters. <laughs> but what makes it weird is is this this tension of it becomes much more raw and real and intimate because they're responding in real time, it feels, to prosumer feedback, except you simultaneously have the uber-contrived arcs like Demi's. We talked about it last week with the whole Demi situation, which I feel is almost the exact same as the Blake situation, it felt even more contrived this time around. Hmm. You have us led to believe that her girlfriend back in California... Yeah, I think she's in LA. ...is just, just magically appeared on the beach the next day after Demi called Chris Harrison in. And it was clearly a a scripted, planned out thing that was planned out before the show even started. Yeah, and Christian seemed like a, a nice enough person, albeit, sorry, she seemed kind of boring to me. But besides being a little bit boring, she seemed like a, a nice enough normal person. But, you know, I, I was curious about what she does. And all I could find online when I searched her afterward is that she's been a model and an actress, in addition to doing some production work on like videos and commercials and stuff. But I'm just going like, okay, if if this if this per maybe this is just overly cynical, but like I, I'm looking at it going, if this person were not a model actress, uh, a mo- a model slash a slashy as they call it in Zoolander, um, <laughs> a, a model slash actress or actress slash model, um, I don't know that she would have showed up. So you think? Christian was there for promotional reasons as well? I don't know that I go that far, but I mean, she definitely is is camera ready. You know, like she's ready to like present rather than just being somebody like we talked before about how it's inappropriate to bring people's families into the spotlight and how it it just feels really uncomfortable. This this felt very much like, oh, this is somebody who is in entertainment and is not going to be, I don't know, is not going to be freaked out by it or is not going to feel violated in some way by being on camera and, and being a part of this whole narrative that's that's shown on camera. But it it's a little bit uncomfortable to be watching it and to, and to feel like production wants us to think that this is all just happening organically. It feels a little bit like an insult to our intelligence. It's it's hard because in all honesty, I do feel like you know when when Demi saw her when she went up the stairs and she appeared and she was crying. I thought that was all very genuine. I didn't think that yeah. that was fake. I don't think that the relationship is fake. I don't think that Demi doesn't actually care about her or Christian doesn't care about Demi. I but I I think that's all real. I'm really curious to see how it pans out the rest of the season. But the arc of Demi coming into Bachelor in Paradise to figure herself out. 
uh, and and finally go, I must follow my heart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Chris Harrison being like, I'm just so concerned. I want to make I sure. I was that- so moved by this single conversation that we had <laughs> this morning. <laughs> and all I want is for you to find love. I'm, I'm sure that's what Chris Harrison is thinking of back in his trailer with his mimosa. Never mind the fact that we have successfully wrung out all vestiges of of emotional content from Blake Horstman <laughs> and his uh, various relationships with the 19 women on this beach. So uh so it's just really it's just really tough because I'm seeing genuine emotion within the context of a very contrived arc and 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 I'm really I'm really relieved because I'm getting feedback from friends I'm listening to recap podcasts from people who are far more woke than I am, and they kind of feel the same way. Like, if it was a guy back home, it wouldn't have been the same thing. It's definitely the show trying to course correct or in, in their, in their, or break some ground, that kind of thing. It's, it's tough because, like, I find it really frustrating and just kind of forced and contrived. But I think Demi and Christian do really care about each other. I do feel really bad for Derek. I am really curious. I feel so bad for Derek. He seems to be just like taking everything with so much grace. And I don't know, like that would be pretty, it'd be pretty hard to manage your reaction and like knowing how you're coming across on camera while Mm -hmm. this is happening, while you're being broken up with. That'd be very, very difficult. And knowing not only is it that you're managing your self-image as somebody who is being rejected, but also managing your self-image, but also manage your reaction as someone who has to be a little bit careful about how what you're communicating through your reaction about a woman in a relationship with another woman. And that is something that I'm sure he was cognizant of and he was having to to kind of juggle that, you know, I, I want to come across this way. I don't want to communicate this, but I'm also hurt. But I mean, that was just a lot for that guy. And I, I felt for him. It just adds this unnecessary layer of political tension when it it's really just a relational situation, not a political situation. Yeah, that was that was a, a pretty big ask of him. Um and I'm I'm not sure that he was prepared for it. I mean he, he was really graceful and gracious in the way that he handled it, but that was again, yeah, that was a big ask of and, him. And so was Christian actually. Like I like you know, she was honest, she felt hurt that Demi had did that. And I think I think the way Christian and Derek dealt with it together was really good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the person who comes across not looking so great in this situation is actually just Demi because she she's the one who comes across looking kind of flaky and kind of dishonest well, to the, both parties, really. The very next scene is her not knowing who Nelson Mandela is, so not good. Oh, boy. So I got a fan theory. Okay. Derek looked so good, in fact, in all this... Hullabaloo. I wonder if he'll be the next lead. I would love that. He's America's favorite half-Brazilian John Krasinski impersonator. I'm into it. I think it'd be great. Um, I don't know if... uh, Honestly, you might be right. Because the Bachelor production team seems really into, like, not only are you spurned, like, looking for the next lead, not only are you spurned, you are, like, jacked up spurned. Like, Becca... Becoming the next lead, that was like the hard, the hardest thing to watch when they did the real-time split screen. Ari won't go away, and he's just knocking on the bathroom door going, are you okay? Right, right, right. Are you okay? I don't love this. Um, but oh, um, I love that. Oh, I don't love that. I don't love that. Um, 
that was so tough to watch. And even before that with um with Jojo when she looked miserable at the after the final rose and they're like, Here's our next bachelorette, it's Jojo and she's like <laughs> Yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm happy on the inside. I know it doesn't show. Um, I don't know why she's from New York all of a sudden, but um Hot sauce. She's, she's hot sauce. She's actually <laughs> from Texas. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it, they they really love their leads to just eat shit like big time. And um, yeah, and so I, I I could actually see that being a successful arc for them to be like, he was heartbroken by our first ever LGBTQI plus contestant. Which she's not, but you know, um, that's what's what they're they're going going with this yeah, season. Yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna uh, conveniently forget Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's oh well. Well, he he looked good. He looked good coming out of the whole Taylor situation. Like of the two, he looked better. Yeah, I mean, and he honestly, and this is so this sounds so mercenary, but like he proved that he could commit. He he proposed. So right, it just adds to his his arc. I think people the thing okay so I'm I'm very pro Mike Big Mike uh I know a lot of people out there are Big Mike is not standing out He's this, getting a boring edit right now And that makes me nervous like like you would think that if they're going to wamp him up to be the next guy they'd be spending way more time maybe he's just maybe next episode is the Big Mike episode but right now it's kind of like Dude, where is this guy? Like, he does a, a hilarious backflip during the introductory theme, and that's about it. He definitely has time, like with Sydney, and I, I think Sydney is adorable. I think she seems like a really cool girl. She's a dancer. She's she's, I think, half Asian. They would have beautiful, beautiful children. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, they seem to be having a good time, and he he could be flying under the radar, and then have make a they could have some kind of dramatic. This just isn't right. I just I have to follow my heart moment in when it comes around time for proposals or like Colton. Exactly, like Colton and Tia. That could totally happen. And he and honestly, if you look back at Colton, he was flying under the radar too. He was being pretty um pretty low key. But yeah, I mean, Mike's gotta step it up if he's gonna be bachelor because he needs that he needs that big moment. And I I, I think you're onto something. I think that Derek has definitely taken that torch pretty pretty effectively in these last couple of episodes and these are the most dramatic episodes so far so he looks the most sympathetic in the entire exchange yes he does Hmm. he's also i think 31 which is a really good age for a bachelor because a little bit more mature a little less i don't know it was it was i loved colton i thought he was wasn't ari like 35 uh, ari was like 37 i think he was so old but sorry, my age. No, cool. no offense. Awesome. Yeah, present company excluded. But you're also not dating 24 year olds. So I mean, he he dated little Becca, uh, Becca, 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 <laughs> Becca with a K. Yeah. Um, she she was 22 during that season, so he was 15 years older than her. That was a little uncomfy. Well, but I mean, that was all very contrived too, because it was like she was a year younger than the next person he was making. It I with. know. Yeah, he chose Lauren, who I think was 24. So. And but anyway, all that to say, it's nice. I, I thought Colton was was lovely. He seems like a great guy, but he did come off very indecisive, and he and he it felt right when he was doing those little Snapchats. So it would be uh, it would be nice to have an an older, more mature bachelor. This so, next time we see him on screen. 
So my last question is, there was this ITM right before the Derek Christian Demi thing went down where Demi is talking to the camera and she's saying how love is the best feeling. And she's talking about, you know, pursuing that feeling and probably the best way to pursue it is to pursue it with Christian. And I go, because mm, what I love about this show is it kind of shines a light on a lot of the common beliefs or ideas that are in our culture because the bachelor is as mainstream culture as it gets. And so you see these kind of mainstream ideas at play, you know, in, in a very weird way, but you see it at play. And so I love the cultural study that this show is. And so, cause I'm a nerd and Demi says love is a feeling. And I go, mm. see, that's a very, very common idea in our culture. And I really just flat out don't believe love is a feeling. Like what, what, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. Wow. I hope we don't have to get. Yeah, I hope we don't have to pay for that. Yeah. Um, anyway. We're going to cease and desist later after this. Um, I think that falling in love is a feeling. I think infatuation is a feeling. And I think that's what a lot of these folks are chasing at the mm. moment um mm. and and it's a really fun feeling i mean i appreciated what um the women from here to make friends and a really excellent huff post podcast about these shows um what they said when blake spewed some nonsense about on his date with taisha about how if you could love the wrong person that much <laughs> how much more will you love the right person and that sounds very like pin uh, you know pinspiration to me like very much like a like a something that would be on like a silhouette of of two people against a sunset uh poster type thing on instagram but they, they i don't remember which one it was i think it was claire said that's just not true because i've i've loved the wrong person a lot more than than the right person <laughs> essentially right. um it's really it's it's actually really easy to become infatuated with the wrong kind of person um that's one of the things that's wrong about them usually and so they're all really chasing this this feeling of infatuation and this this as kevin would say romanticism this <laughs> this this high or this sensation and i i think that is a feeling and i think that's a, a fun feeling but yeah it's not um it's not foundational to to any kind of lasting relationship. Sorry, kids. Uh, uh, Santa isn't real. <laughs> I, I what? Just, I, I just find it very um, unfortunate because, again, going back to the paradigm that we talked about earlier with the whole fighting thing, like love as a feeling, I think, is only going to bring you dis- dis- disappointment because so much about love is doing the day-to-day stuff. Like, the, the, Everyone talks about, like, especially, you know, God bless Cam, about, like, you know, having kids and da-da-da. It's like, that's not, that's not love. That's a, a constant act of service and commitment to someone. Even yeah, it's, when it's-, it's building a life with somebody. And I don't even think Cam's thinking about it in terms of actually having kids. He's thinking about, you know, a, a Christmas card photo. He's not really thinking about, like, d- you know, 3 a.m. feedings and diaper changes. And I'm, not, I'm not saying outright Christian and Demi can't last, but going into 
a relationship with that mindset. It's like, ooh. Honestly, what she had with Derek, at least from what we saw, like her just joking around with him and like having these ordinary conversations where they're making each other laugh and they're just so relaxed and comfortable. That's really more love because it, yes, there are feelings of companionship and feelings of like comfort and happiness there, but it's not just about chasing some kind of high intensity, uh, high octane romance. It's about just enjoying spending moments with, with a person who, who makes you feel at home and makes you feel content and comfortable and, and wanted and loved and supported. And she seemed to really have that with Derek. And I, I mean, obviously we'll see in these coming episodes if she has that with Christian, but it's, but if it's more about, if it's more about heat than substance, then that's, that's really not going to last. So we'll just see, I guess. Yeah. I just, I I just hope that Demi, I mean, seeing everyone strictly as characters in a show, not, not knowing how they really are in real life or what's going to happen after the show. I just, I want people to succeed. I want people to not set themselves up for failure and pursuing love and seeing it as a feeling that you pursue and capture, I think will only lead to frustration. That should be our drink. Frustration on the beach. (laughs) Speaking of people with controversial storylines, Christina really made a, Made a splash this week, didn't she? Yeah, well, it's just it's just weird. It's like like she was so looked up to and revered and pitied, and everyone's crying over her and, and loving her in next season. The whole thing with Dean two seasons ago, right? Yeah, yeah, and and now she's just like mean. Like I kind of I kind of get the whole thing with Blake. But like, why would you give him your rose? I have I have soured on Christina like big time. I I ended this episode going like, man, I don't even I I'm out of sympathy for her. <laughs> it's just oh my gosh. Well, what makes it hard is like I I can get like, hey, I just want to spend my time fucking around with with Blake and making him feel bad, but she'll simultaneously say, I'm giving you this rose so you stick around so you suffer, but then she also wants to hang out with him at the same time and get mad when what's her face, Caitlin. Does. Kate, Kate Leon, when <laughs> when Caitlin wants to spend time with him too, it, it, it's like you were such a hero two seasons ago, and now you're a villain. And Jordan was a villain in his season, and now he's like, even with the fight, he's still like a beloved guy. Yeah, he still did the Statler and Waldorf comedy routine with uh, with Demi, and that was still endearing enough i think that he and also the way that he handled that whole confrontation he he they were like we're gonna have to take you off the show and he's like okay <laughs> like yeah. he didn't he didn't put up any more fight he was done i really don't think he meant to start a physical fight with the other christian but it's a little disconcerting that you can say of someone i don't think he meant to do that when he like pile drived <laughs> christian into the ground good point um, good point I don't but know. i don't you, it, it wasn't a good look, but you know we we still officially like Jordan. But it was, come on, buddy. <laughs> well, he truly was the grenade in paradise. He got his own cocktail. So cheers, cheers. So to that. cheers to Jordan, I guess. Um, yeah, I with Christina. The thing that really frustrated me more than anything is that Caitlin, who seems pretty dang innocuous, like she doesn't seem there to cause any trouble. She didn't even. I mean, 
she didn't bat an eyelash and like she even tried to like help Blake tell his story better when he was talking about his laundry list of women. She was like, Oh, well, yeah, we, we all make mistakes like that or not even mistakes. I don't know. You're, you're fine. You're cool. It's like, she's like, she's like ameliorating his many offenses against the women who were, you know, sharing the bunk room with her. And, (laughs) um, and which, which amazed me. I was like, wow, she really just wants this to go well. Like, regardless of what she really thinks of him she just you know wants to make a good show of of it and be polite that's very it's it's very canadian i mean you know good on her but uh, but yeah i mean she she doesn't seem to she doesn't seem to want to cause any trouble she goes up to christina and says like hey can we talk and is like being like extra sweet about it and just saying like hey i want to know what your motives are and christina hearing the word motive lost her mind and like what do i have to have a motive what is it like and and just made it impossible for her to even have a conversation and that that really bothered me it it makes me crazy when people act like one that tone doesn't matter at all because she was so hostile her body language her tone of voice was so hostile and caitlin was just asking reasonable and honest questions and christina could not have been more hostile toward really, really innocent uh, questions about somebody that she had gone on a date with that day. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like she, I felt like Christina was being really unfairly aggressive toward her in that moment. And it just was, it just put a bad taste in my mouth about her. I had really considered her to be a, a reasonable person in previous seasons and even in this season when she confronted Blake and then she just turned her image, her good image inside out uh, with that, that terrible mess of a conversation. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I'm hoping she redeems herself in some way, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it. We're getting into the, this point in the season that I, I always hate because like I said, I I love seeing the, interactions the tensions and like ooh, this person comes what'll happen to that and then about halfway through the season everything starts to kind of calcify you know mm. like the couples that will be couples have coupled up almost everyone is settled up in some way so new people arrive and they almost always leave immediately afterwards this and people who were kind of like neutral free agents like wills like onyeka like kevin are are kind of like purged by the system and the only thing that comes after this is that more attractive people come in or or really boring people come in or just whoever comes in all they can do all they can hope to do is disrupt a couple because all the neutral people have already been purged and then and then comes the the Chris Harrison talk where they're supposed to really think about if they want to propose tomorrow and of course, half the couples freak out and leave. So at, at this point in the season, we're about to cross that midway point where it all becomes really, really predictable. Supposedly, next week is going to be a very dramatic episode. So I'm hoping and Chris Harrison's going to break the rules. What rules? I don't know. This isn't Nam Smoky. There are rules. So we'll just find out what's going to happen. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong and this season will be a little more fresh than seasons past. We'll see. Well, and... That may be why they have to do so much in the first few days, because that's when all the drama can happen. Because you're right, it does it does sort of calcify and it does eliminate any opportunity for there to be a little bit more dynamic, exciting drama or, or fights or love triangles, that kind of thing. Or in Blake's case, love 
hexagon or whatever it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're heading toward proposals. I think we're actually also going to see, I think we're also going to see live footage of the Crystal and Chris, aka Goose wedding. Oh, I can't wait for that. Uh, I forgot about them when we said the the couples who had been forged in the oh yeah the hot sands of paradise. <laughs> um, Crystal and Chris. Um, Yay? Question mark. Yeah, I, I, not a big fan of them individually. I guess I'm a fan of them together. There's someone for everyone, guys. They definitely deserve each other. I'll say that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Crystal's very pretty. I'm sure her dress is going to be great. And all the guests are going to be really sunburned. So it'll be picturesque. One can only hope. I will say I am sad to see Wills go. I really believe that he is the male counterpart to Bibiana. He is a wonderful person who this just doesn't work for. So... He just needs to head back to LA, dye that hair dark again, and yes, uh, and uh, hit Bumble. <laughs> He'll do just fine. We love you, buddy. You and your Deathly Hallows tattoo and your floral Hawaiian shirts. So here's to Will's next profile on Bumble. To Will's future dating life. Slide into those DMs, ladies. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> All right, gang, that wraps up our show. Of course, you're wondering, what about bingo? We're going to go through those bingo notes right now. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to play bingo with us, go ahead and click on this week's show notes to get next week's bingo card at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. If you're playing bingo with us, here were the squares to tick off for this week. For episode five, you can check off physical altercation. You don't need me to remind you when that happened. Blurred body part, uh, the security guard's face during the fight. Throw in anger. Uh, that was Christian being thrown by Jordan. <laughs> uh, bitching about someone slash being in a love polygon. That's two squares. Demi talking to the girls about Hannah G. The phrase falling in love. I messed up this week and put falling in love in twice. So choose which of the falling in love squares you want to cross off. That's Dylan doing an ITM about Hannah. Cross-off DIY date because Dylan has one before the rose ceremony. Sobbing. Dylan, again, during an ITM before the rose ceremony. Someone leaving voluntarily. Onyeka does this during the rose ceremony. Misusing the English language. Kevin, in an ITM, says romanticism part. Uh, That's not the right context. Uh, Making out in water. Uh, Dylan and Hannah the day after the ceremony. Using the phrase breath of fresh air, Blake describing Caitlin to Chris, uh, the second falling in love square, Dylan saying so to Hannah on their date. And then finally, uh, a, a round of bad kissing, that whole weird tug of war situation between JPJ and Tasha. If you're carrying over into episode six, Chris Harrison gets involved when Demi summons him. Uh, He's a genie. More bad kissing. Clay and Nicole while Tasha gives an ITM. Uh, tequila being drunk in any form. Uh, the shots are being ordered at the bar. Uh, being given a nickname. Christina calls Blake something at the bar. Something in Russian. We couldn't really make it out. Someone else can tell us in the comments. Uh, if you speak Russian, message us. 
in Russian. Uh, bitching about someone, Caitlin to Caitlin about Christina. <clears throat> a body part being blurred out. All the cussing in the episode. Misuse of the English language. Chris uses the word degress. That's not a thing. We think it. he was trying to say digress. I'm or not... And regress at the same time? It was very confusing. Sobbing. Katie talking to Demi while Chris goes on that date. Wells giving advice. He told Katie that she should have said diarrhea. Always sound advice. Making out in water. Chris and Jen on their date. DIY <laughs> DIY date. Chris and his something little planned. Well, he meant to say a uh, little something planned after the first date went wrong. Fashion no-no. This is controversial. Steph argued that Demi's top during the reunion with Christian was a little unsightly. It looked like McDonald's. And then finally, breaking up a couple. Uh, that would be, of course, Christian breaking up the Derek and Demi combo. So if you're playing bingo with us, don't forget to don't forget to take a picture of what you won. If you're playing bingo with us, post it on Instagram and tag us. We look forward to playing with you next week. Until then, cheers. Cheers.